trip, yeah. The white, please, Lord, don't let me go to jail tonight. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'm a soul survivor. Ask about him in the street. The boy, Jesus, Ladies and gentlemen, surprise, we're back. I'm Evan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Evan Wazork. That's my brother Matt. Now, folks, off wax, Matt and I talked about everything that's going on at Old Miss and how it compares to previous penalties and death penalties. So we decided to bring you a pod centered around college football programs and teams getting in trouble. We call it the All Sanctioned Pod. Yeah, dude. Let's talk sanctions. Let's do it. So let's start with the granddaddy of them all. Start with SMU. The Pony Express. Yes, sir. Anybody who has watched that 30 for 30 has some background on these uh, NCAA sanctions. So we're going to divide this section into four parts, starting with what did each program do, what were the sanctions, what does life look like after sanctions, and then is justice served. So SMU, 1970s, 1980s, what did they do? Well, the most serious violation is that they had a slush fund that was basically available for payments to players. Could be anywhere between fifty dollars handshakes to you know tens of thousands of dollars that were offered to recruits to come to SMU. I mean, these dudes are showing up at airports, glad handing guys hundreds, fifties, stacks, two hundred dollars cash. Yep, yep. That was basically the extent of it. Is that they they ran a pay for play and a a pay-for-attendance program which from 1970 until 1986. SMU's perspective is we're one of the second smallest school, we're the second smallest school in the Southwestern Conference, so to compete with the big boys, we got to pay people. NCAA came down harsher than they've ever come down on anybody else. Oh, yeah. The only time the NCAA has leveled the death penalty. For the 1987 season, SMU was not allowed to compete. So then they gave... Every player the option, you may transfer if you would like, which most players took, which then led the university to say, you know, we can't even field a team in 1988. So they actually didn't play in 1988 hmm. either, even though they weren't banned, just because they felt like they didn't have enough experienced players to play. What was life like after the sanctions? Severity of the penalty left the SMU football program with only one winning season over the next 20 years. I mean, this is a program that played for national titles, had Heisman Trophy winners, was routinely ranked in the yep. top 20. They don't make a bowl game again. These first sanctions of the 1987 season, they don't make a bowl game again until 2009. The only program to date that's experienced a death penalty. So, Evan, SMU, justice served. Yeah, and this one, I mean, like, if you just look at, like, the before and after, I think, like, most people would say, oh, man, like, that was pretty harsh. But part of the problem was also just they were not listening to the NCAA, right? Like, they committed infractions, the NCAA would level penalty against them, and then they would just keep doing it. Um, So then at some point, you got to lay the hammer. So I think, you know, regardless of how it shut that program down, like, at some point, the NCAA is in charge, you need to assert your authority. I do think justice served. But it's not like they didn't say, hey, you know, like, this is like a first time we're going to slam it down. Yeah. Do this, and then you kept doing it. Yeah. What do you Probably think? Probably, though, in reality, they're not the only program at the time doing oh, this. Oh, no uh, doubt. No doubt. No so doubt. So it seems shockingly inconsistent for the NCAA that they're going to punish one school but not the others. I don't think anyone was so blatant about it, well, which I don't know if that makes it better, but I'm just saying. Like, you got caught multiple times, and so you didn't stop. Well, let's uh, let's fast forward. Take us to Happy Valley. Okay. Penn State. Sorry to bring this down, folks. You might want to skip ahead two minutes, do what you got to do. But we're going to talk about Penn State. So Joe Paterno becomes Penn State's head coach in 1966. 
1969, Jerry Sandusky joins as an assistant coach. He was on the staff till 1999, though he remained coach emeritus, whatever that means, and had access to the program and facilities uh, for over a decade afterwards. Sandusky opens his Second Mile Foundation in 1977. Fast forward to 1994 is the first known abuse by Sandusky, who would become known as victim number seven. What ended up happening was the mother of an 11-year-old boy calls... Penn State Police Department says her son took a shower with Jerry Sandusky when he was at the Second Mile Foundation and was hugged by Sandusky during the shower. The investigation yields no char- Yeah, the investigation yields no charges and Sandusky says he won't shower with the boys again. Oh, thanks, Jerry. Fast forward to 2000, Penn State University janitor reports seeing Sandusky engage in sexual acts with a boy. Both the janitor and his supervisor are too afraid for their jobs to report the incident at the time, though they came forward uh, when more allegations stacked up. Then the next year, 2001, in February, then-graduate assistant Mike McQuery sees Sandusky assaulting a boy in the shower of the locker room. McQuery meets with, after speaking with his father, he meets with the Penn State Athletic Director. Sandusky's keys are taken, and he's banned from bringing any more children to the Penn State facilities though he still allowed access to the program. The de- this decision was reviewed by and approved by the Penn State president. Important to note, Paterno is made aware of the incident, but is not at that initial meeting to discuss Sandusky's future. Apparently, he doesn't weigh in at all. He's at the meeting, he would have to have an opinion about it. Right? I, I mean, I can't oh. imagine he didn't have an opinion on it, but anyways... Fast forward to 2009, this is when the investigation officially starts. The mother of victim one calls Clinton High School, which is local to the uh, Happy Valley area. She calls the high school to tell the administrators there that Sandusky abused her son while at the second mile program. Those administrators are obviously compelled by law to report to the authorities. This is when the actual investigation begins. McQuery testifies with the grand jury in 2010, which is really the nail in the coffin. Paterno ends up resigning in 2011. So, what were the outcomes? Sandusky gets 60 years in prison, which seems kind of light for nine, abusing at least nine, but probably more children. But I guess I guess their thought was he's so old, a 60 years in prison without, like, that's a death sentence. Paterno, I guess he was fired, I said resigned, he was fired, um, and soon thereafter dies. The Penn State president, athletic director, and the senior vice president in the athletic department are all fired, and all three are are indicted on perjury and obstruction charges. The official punishment from the NCAA, which was handed down in June 2012, five-year probation, four-year bowl ban, vacating all wins between 1992 and 2011, a $60 million fine, which I believe went towards charities that helped sexually abuse children, they were limited to 65 scholarships, scholarship athletes, which is on par with the FCS. I believe 85 is the number FBS can have. Um, and that, that was for between 2013 and 2017. And then, like SMU, athletes on scholarship were allowed to leave without the usual one-year sit-out, which many chose to do. However, unlike SMU, some of these policies changed very quickly. So in September 2013, the next year, NCAA decides to let Penn State return to that 85 scholarship level one year early. Then in September of the next year, 2014, NCAA announces Penn State will be eligible for the postseason instead of that four-year ban, so it was shortened to two years. And then in 
2015, the NCAA restores all the wins. So what was life like under these punishments? The most severe thing, I think, for Penn State was the fact that those athletes were allowed to transfer, which a lot of them did thinking that four-year ban would stay in place, not knowing it would be for two. That was pretty, I mean, they went to the bottom of the Big Ten. It was, for the football team, as far as the football team's concerned, it, it was harsh. Um, although, I mean, they had great success this year back in the Rose Bowl for the first time. And they seemed, to, the program as a whole seems to be on the up and up. Matt, what is your thoughts on the punishment? Well, this is about our 27th fight over this yeah. uh, discussion. I, listeners, there's in no way Cam and I come to an agreement about this. Uh, I don't think justice was served. I am a huge proponent that Penn State uh, needed the death penalty in this case. I mean, such an institution and culture supporting covering up a sexual assault and it was by all people in power and it's because they were connected to Penn State football and Penn State football needed to feel the death penalty. I mean, you got dudes walking, like you're paying players at SMU openly. Administrators knew about it. which is like, why you brought the death penalty? Because they okayed all the payments. But like, administrators in this place, like, you okayed sexual assault the second that you just took Sandusky's keys and you didn't put his ass in jail. Like, that is such epic bullshit. Um, and, you know, then we lessen the – let them get back on full scholarship, you know, early for, like, good behavior. No, 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 Like, not going to be able to do it. They needed the death penalty in this case. So, as Matt alluded to, I disagree. <laughs> not that I – I mean, I think Sandusky's a scumbag. I'm glad he's going to die in prison. Like, good. I'm glad those three dudes were indicted on perjury charges. Great. I just think – would, like compared to SMU, SMU paying athletes is not illegal. It's just against NCAA by, like, laws or bylines. Sexual yeah. assault against minors is illegal. Like it, I just think it's so petty. Like this dude raped a child. So like, oh, we're gonna punish the football team? Like that? No, this guy needs to go to jail. These people need to go to jail. This is not like an NCAA thing. Yeah. Also, in the SMU case. Athletes were in the wrong, coaches were in the wrong, the administration was in the wrong. In this case, the athletes didn't do anything. Like, why are you going to shut down the football team? That the Penn State athletes had nothing to do with this. I, I don't, I see that is taking this out on a group of men that are 18 to, tw- you know, 24, 25. Returno got fired, as he should, probably should have gone to jail. And Sandusky went to jail, and those, those three guys all had, I mean, there were legal ramifications for this. I don't, I don't see the point in taking it out on the football team. Who, when the, we go back to our debate about pay for play, the thing is that players already get gypped and they don't get what they deserve. We know that like who benefits the most, especially monetarily from college football and like the money juggernaut that it is. It's not the players. It is these the president and the vice president and the athletic directors and the coaches who are making millions of dollars per year. Jerry Sandusky is allowed to rape kids because he's a Penn State football coach and is allowed to continue because he was a Penn State football coach. He's a Penn State cross-country coach. I don't think it goes this far. He's not associated with Penn State at all. He's just some, like, creepy old dude. Definitely doesn't go this far. Like, who permitted it? It wasn't, no, it was the football players, but it was graduate assistants. It was janitors. It was vice president. Mike McCleary did what he was supposed to do. He saw something. He reported it to his supervisors. Uh, What's he going to do? Like, murder? The Mike McCleary story is kind of yeah, I mean, I guess he could like go into the press or something, but like, I'm not expecting him to like go shoot Sandusky in retribution. I will. Okay, no, but could give him the death penalty. But the NCAA lost their backbone. Some. I do think. I do think that whole backing out of the penalties. I don't necessarily agree with all the penalties they 
they leveraged against Penn State. But I do think backing out of them is so, like that makes you look soft. Oh yeah, you need cool. to. You draw a red line. You draw your red line. Stick to it. Anyways, Matt, do you want to take us to our favorite team, the <laughs> Ohio State Buckeyes? It's Columbus, let's do it. It's Columbus. So, the year before the Penn State sanctions, you had 2010. The NCAA announced five players are going to be suspended from the 2011 season due to receiving improper benefits. It's Mike Adams, Dan Heron, Devere Posey, Solomon Thomas, and big name at that time, quarterback Terrell Pryor. So the deal is that they exchange autographs, memorabilia, they're like equipment and the gold pants, which you get for beating Michigan, in exchange for tattoos from a tattoo parlor that was owned by a booster. Oddly, though, the NCAA let them play in the Sugar Bowl, which is like <laughs> two weeks after that. So sus. That is so sus. I was reading this over. I was like, wait, how did that happen? So they were like, hey, you guys can play in this huge bowl game that's going to make millions of dollars for university, but next year, though, you're not playing. Yeah, that I and man, you'll have to remind me who those teams were. I'm sure they weren't like directional Michigan schools or anything. Right, right. So That's so sus. That's December. Flash forward to June 2011. Ford's Illustrated released this article where it goes further in depth and 28 players are included in trading memorabilia and equipment for tattoos and other merchandise between 2002 and 2010. The biggest fish that fries here is that as the NCAA is investigating this, unlike SMU, who says, well, yeah, we did know about this, we did pay players, we did do all these things that were illegal. Jim Trestle goes the deny to die route. And Gotta love decide, it. Well, me. was me. Never. You get jammed up, don't mention my name. <laughs> don't know anything about that. Except he knew everything about that. Later that spring, Trestle, so much pressure that he knew, lied to investigators, is forced to resign. Luke Fickle takes over the team. They go to a 6-6 six and six record in the 2011 season. Uh, they have a one-year conference and bowl ban for the next year, 2012, and they're on three years probation, and they only lose three scholarships per year. After that, Sith Lord Urban Meyer takes over as head coach of Ohio State in 2012, leads the Buckeyes to his only perfect season so far at Ohio State, 12-0. and uh, obviously, they're prevented from competing in the Big Ten Championship game or the Natty that year. Like, on an on-field standpoint, it, this sanction really didn't have that huge of an impact on Ohio State. You know why, like, Matt? Why? Because you can't sanction the end zone. You can't sanction the end zone. You can't sanction the end zone. Just to serve to Ohio State, Evan, in 2010 or not? I don't know. The, the, the one that really – or the part that really gets me about this is, like, if the – it's because it's over tattoos. Like, if the players have been like, yeah, man, like – I don't get uh, food, like I'm, you know, paying for rent, sending money back to my mom. I'd be like, all right, fellas, I'm on your side. But you're just getting tattoos, like, ugh, you're really not helping me out right now. Um, I mean, I do think it's, you know, the amount of money that goes to these programs and the players see none of it is, like, kind of effed up. And if you think about it, they were selling, like, things of their own. Like, I don't think it's – I wouldn't do it, but I don't think it's a big deal when, like, a player sells a championship ring or the little medallion they get for beating Michigan. It's when you start selling, like – jerseys and stuff that like is it theirs is it not theirs I, I don't really know how that works but that's where you start getting it i i'm surprised like looking back on it you know i kind of forgot it really wasn't that bad trussell got fired because he lied if he hadn't lied he probably wouldn't he have got fired for that. he should have gotten fired yeah agreed if he had not lied though he wouldn't have gotten fired and i would have said he shouldn't have gotten fired Agree, agree. I would agree that justice is served because trust eventually gets fired yeah because that's what needed to happen 
right? Yeah. So speaking of sanctioning Enzo, take us to uh, SoCal. SoCal. Okay, USC, my friends. I'm sure it's beautiful down there today. We're talking about the whole Reggie Bush thing in the early aughts, as they say these days. Um, so Reggie Bush joins the USC program in 2013, wins the Heisman 2015, and for people that can remember, they lose in the Rose Bowl to Texas in January 2006 in what is, I think, still the best football game ever played, bar, I don't know, this year's national championship. Like, I think we need, like, five years to, like, reflect on that see how that good, but certainly one of the best games ever. He immediately declares for the draft, or I don't know if it was immediate, but that offseason, he declares for the draft. <laughs> That offseason, reports start to surface that Bush, along with USC basketball star O.J. Mayo, accepted gifts from sports agent Lloyd Lake, and an investigation begins. Again, this is 2006. Fast forward to 2007, and Lake begins a lawsuit against Bush and his family for not repaying him for up to $290,000 worth of gifts that he gave Bush at USC, and I mean, I say gifts, but really, it seems because of the lawsuit, they're more like loans. And then, at this point, Lake agrees to join the NCAA in their investigation, at which point I can only imagine Bush was like, fuck, I'm screwed. Wait, this dude used Bush. Bush didn't want him later, so then he turns on to the NCAA? True. Good good point. Um, So, when when I'm saying gifts, what what these things include, uh, weekly payments to the Bush family of $1,500, all-expense-paid trip for Reggie and I believe his father to, uh, among other places, Vegas and San Francisco. And then also car, like down payment on cars. This is what I think he was trying to get back was there were down payment on cars and a house for his mother. That I think that's what Bush did not repay to Lake and started the lawsuit. So in June 2010, the NCAA comes out with their punishment and yeah. Bush has to return his postseason awards, including his Heisman. Which he actually did. I'm kind of surprised, to be honest with you. If someone was like, yeah, I'm going to take that Heisman, I'd be like, all right, come get it. Like, it's in my family room. But it's well, like, you still won the Heisman. Yeah, really absolutely. So that that's basically meaningless. But no, that's part of the part of the uh, punishment. Um, and then the USC vacates the two final wins from to the, the 2004 season, which I believe they did that because they traced that to, like, that's when the payment started. Um, and then they vacated all the wins of the 2015 season. And then they were banned from bowl games from 2010-2011. They were docked 30 scholarships between 2010 and 2013. The NCAA did not roll back on any of this, like any, like you, Penn State or anything like that. Overall, the effect on the program during those years, you know, USC was during like the year or two afterwards, they were really good. That that sanctioned the end zone joke we just made was because this USC student section came out with the best t-shirt I've ever seen in my life during that period. And it was a just an outline of a football player catching a pass in the end zone and it said, Can't sanction the end zone. They're but, racking up points. Yeah, they were they were killing. They did kind of hit hit a speed bump kind of around 2013, 2014. I think that's really like when the tail end of that Doc 30 scholarships just kind of piled up. You know, like in 2010, they were all they were all stacked. Part of that is because they didn't allow players just to jump ship. So everyone that was there was like, wow, I'd rather just ride this out than go somewhere, sit out a season. So they still had all that talent. It wasn't really till the tail end of the like, 2013, 2014 that they really started to struggle. Matt? Evan, at the same time period, they also hired a head coach that has maturity of a seven-year-old. Truth. That was the problem. I mean, okay, sanctions, maybe. You hired fucking Lane Kiffin. Are you serious? True, true. Come on now. Matt, justice served? Justice, not served. Because Sneaky Pete gets off with 
He does. Okay. I forgot to mention that. He bounced. He's like, I'm out. Right. Go to the Seahawks. I'm going to get my Super Bowl appearances, my Super Bowl victories. Just keep my – he's invited back on campus. They, like, banned Reggie Bush from campus. Are you serious? Good point. Good point. He's I didn't bring that up. He doesn't do shit about him. It's ridiculous. So, no, it's another example of not only where you're holding players more accountable than you're holding adults, you're also letting this, like – Whitehead coach off and coming off harshly on a immature at the time young black dude like does college football have an old white guy's problem yes it does I think this is to some degree an example of that although it's not all about that no it's disgusting the way that coaches can get away with so much of this and uh, we're gonna hold kids account more accountable yeah. than the adults yeah and part of this which is sticky for me is um, you know it's one guy who's already left. He left years ago for the NFL. There's, Dude, the there's no way to punish that guy. So now you're punishing a bunch of players who've never met Reggie Bush. Agreed. That's it's always sticking to me. Yep. He's clearly taking advantage of Bush, thinking that if I help him, he'll help me later by signing with me and paying me back and doing all this stuff, right? Agreed. That guy's not coming out of the goodness of his heart to help Reggie Bush. You're going to be kidding me. Yeah. So I think part of this... Like, somehow the NCAA and the NFL need to come up with a way to punish shenanigans in college when they're in the NFL. And, you know, Lake is an agent still to this day. You know what I mean? Totally screwed the USC program over, though. Yeah. He's, he became part of the investigation. Yeah. He helped the NCAA. It's so disgusting. You have got to be kidding me. But, dude, look at the report this week. The Lions GM says he's disappointed Joe Mixon is not at the NFL Combine. Did he sell his soul to get that job? <laughs> Maybe. Like, can the NCAA and the NFL come together? No, because we got this, like, twerp running the Lions who's like, oh, yeah, he only knocked a woman to the floor, broke her jaw. Can we see him, how he looks as a running back? Excuse me? What kind of human beings you guys got up there? Yeah. We also got that Sith Lord at the helm of NFL, so. Preach stuff. So, whew. All right, let's talk about most recent news. Let's do it. You ready to go to Oxford? Well, herd's beautiful. Haven't been, but nice hottie toddy would be great. Preach, though. Preach. <laughs> so everybody knows the team that had the worst NFL draft day last spring was the Ole Miss Rebels. <laughs> Larry Tunsil's social media is hacked. Comes out, he Quote, unquote. Well, oh, come on. He wouldn't release that. He dropped, like, 20 picks from that. True, true. So first it's the weed in the, I don't know, gas mask. Points and for then, uh, making it look fun, though. I do question if he's smoking that, and then he also has, like, a Confederate flag in the background. Like, oh, Miss. They're the Rebs. You know, it's weird. <sighs> we'll miss a couple of history lessons there. Anyways, then it also comes out that he, like, just straight up asks his assistant coach, hey, my mom has a $300 electric bill she can't pay. Can you help me out? Assistant coach DMs back. Yep, we got you. <laughs> Ole Miss, later that spring, is level. So then NCAA is like, all right, let me investigate. Level with several sanctions, 13 total violations, four of which came under former football head coach Houston Nutt. Wasn't just associated with football. Women's basketball was also impacted as well as track and field. Football accusations, the first round, April of last year, uh, Ole Miss assistant coach just paid a recruit who later enrolls in the university somewhere between $13,000 and $15,000 to enroll, removing far beyond the $100 handshakes that SMU was handing out, as well as the payments to Tunsil and other Rebel players. Recently, which brought us on to this sanction special, NCA violation list is up to 21. Whoop. That includes charging uh, current head coach Hugh Freeze with 
uh, violating his responsibility, his legislation responsibility, and University of Ole Miss with lack of institutional control. I mean, that's probably the harshest accusation you can receive in college football. Yeah. The sanctions against Ole Miss are far, you know, from payments to, like, I gave individual hype videos to recruits which I'm not supposed to do. I let recruits sleep on a couch and didn't charge them the hotel rate. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a long list of yeah. uh, accusations. Two weeks ago, university came out. They so far proposed a one-year bowl ban as well as giving up the SEC total bowl revenue for next year, which comes out to about $7.8 million per school. Uh, I haven't heard anything on re- reduced scholarships. I thought there w- they did agree to a reduction, but I couldn't tell you the number off the top of my head. I thought so too, and I've read over twice. I can't find it. So somebody's listening out there and hit us back. Life after football, I mean, you know, we're looking at this in real time, so we'll see what happens. Last year they were 5-7. and seven. It's their first year they have not qualified for a bowl game under head coach Hugh Freeze. Honestly, Evan, I think Hugh's got to give Jimmy Trestle a call because I think the axe is coming for Hugh. I mean, lack of institutional control for the university. Like, I think the president's job is on the line. The AD's job is on the yep. line. The job is on the line. I don't know how any of these dudes are still employed based on these accusations. I think one key distinction I want to make is when Ole Miss – announce these punishments they they are not copping to all the allegations they're saying this is true this is true this is true i think for what old miss is admitting to yeah. the sanctions are on point although maybe like an additional year or two out of the uh postseason however comma i think old miss is being slightly so strict on themselves because they know there's more evidence out there I, i'll be very interested to read the actual ncaa report when it comes out with the final report you know once yeah. Once, once, well, so Ole Miss gets a challenge, and then you know the NCAA is going to, re- you know, follow up on that. Um, so I'll be I interested. Think they had strict on themselves. They didn't even qualify for a bowl game. Eh, flash. Fair, good point. You guys had a shot. You didn't make it because you're not very good. <laughs> How hard is a, a one year bowl ban? I think those five and seven. Yeah, giving up seven million dollars. Oh. That's not easy for schools to do these days. Oh, a drop in the bucket. Good lord. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go shake down any number of boosters and come out seven point eight million. Not after five and seven season, man. I don't know. Um, but if if most those if most or some of the allegations that are out there do end up being true, again, like once this is all finalized, I agree with you. I think the penalty is going to be much stronger. I think it should be stronger. I think a lot of people are going to be updating their resume. I also you read these sanctions and you were like, oh, remember when you guys had a top ten recruiting class? And you're like. That's strange. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Was it though? Was, <laughs> was it though? Like, like, how did Robert Kimdichie choose Ole Miss? How do you decide on that? I don't know, man. You get jammed up. Don't mention my name. <laughs> don't mention my name. The other elephant in the room right now is even uglier than Oxford is Waco, Texas. They oh, look- God. Yeah. They haven't heard a peep from the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Who were those dudes around the NCAA in the 1970s that could, like, drop the hammer on SMU? They're long gone. Yeah. They need to go down to Waco, and they need to just... Dude, to quote Set of Woman, just take a flamethrower to this thing. Like, <laughs> oh my god. So, I don't... The more you read about Baylor, you're like, Matt Rule is in a heap oh, of trouble. for sure, man. And then Art Riles this morning is out there going, you know what? I'm sorry. I did things wrong, and I'm so sorry. Oh, are you, Art? Right. Are you sorry? 
Right. Oh, if I was Art, I would move down somewhere nice in South America, and I just would never talk to another news outlet ever again. You're sorry because 17 women were raped mm-hmm. by 19 of your football players. Mm-hmm. His reaction, quoted again this morning, to being shown a list of players who were accused of sexual assault was, those are some bad dudes. Why was she around those dudes? Because it's her fault she was around them. Good Lord. They're, you know, she should Good avoid Lord. them. Yeah. You know, goes to the same school. Any predictions on Baylor? I want to say, like, yeah, they're gonna, they're done. They're gonna get the death penalty. I just, I don't know. I don't see the NCAA like having the actual spine to do that. I, like, I think of all our cases that we've discussed today. To me, this is the best case for a death penalty. One, not only do you have like just disgusting acts coming out of the players. Then you had the administration, the coaching staff covering up, and like the fans are also disgusting me at Baylor. Harken back to those hashtag Coach uh, CAB shirts, hashtag Coach R. Browse shirts. Like, are you kidding me, Baylor fans? You disgust me. Can I get a death penalty? Matt Rule taking that job was a huge mistake. Mr. Rule, do you ever think about when you out of here? You need to get out of there. Preach, dude. Uh, this is far and away that best case for the death penalty. Ole Miss is in trouble. Those sanctions are not enough, but they shouldn't get the death penalty, and it's nothing in comparison to what Baylor is doing. I mean, this no. place is rampantly out of control. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're talking about, like, does Ole Miss have institutional control? Do they not? Like, Baylor does not. No. Does not have no. control. No. Absolutely not. So, thank you so much, folks, for joining us in this special edition of 15 Minute You. Let us know what we missed or need to reconsider about NCAA sanctions. Get at us on our Facebook page at 15 Minute U or on Gmail at 15 Minute U at gmail.com. Remember, you can find all our podcasts on iTunes or wherever else you get your fine podcasts. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode. We'll be back again with you soon coming up with the spring conference meetings. Which dark horses are going to emerge in 2017? What crazy shit is Jim Harbaugh or Pine, Paul Feinbaum or both going to say next? Tune in to find out. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, folks, don't pick them like my brother. Don't pick them like my brother. You think we can find those USC shirts on the internet somewhere? Oh, yeah. Don't think Yeah. I actually kind of want to get one of those now I'm thinking about it. Be dope. Should we buy some, like, Baylor football? <laughs> Those aren't going to exist in the next 50 years. Right? Right? Be serious collector's items in like 10 years.